a series that we've been talking about. What is God's purpose for each one of us? And, and ultimately, what is God's purpose for this church as, as we carry that out together? So I'm going to pray, and then we'll uh, jump into this last part here. Lord Jesus, we do just want to look to you again in a fresh way. God, I just pray that you would um, just uh, speak to us this morning, God, um, that, that you would have something for every person here this morning. God, help us to be maybe challenged or corrected or encouraged by your scriptures this morning. I pray that you would align our thinking with your thinking and any changes that need to be made, Lord, help us in that. And, and God, I pray that uh, as we try to apply these truths to our lives, that, that we will be transformed and we will be a part of seeing others transformed in this neighborhood and this city and this world. God, we just ask for your grace here. Um, God, I, I need your help, Lord, to communicate these things. Help me to get out of the way. Um, God, I pray your Holy Spirit would back those things that you want people to, to come away with today. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, so, it's been, uh, I, I don't know about you, most. I've had a crazy week this week. So, um, I've got one more handout to pass out here. Um, if you guys don't mind, uh, th- these are just kind of for you to keep. Uh, you can have a friend help you out there, right? Um, we had, a, let's see, we put our house on the market earlier this week, and so um, that's been an exciting, fun process. Uh, you know, I think um, we didn't realize maybe all that's involved with getting your house on the market. You know, it actually has to be really, really clean and can't have stuff, junk hanging out anywhere, and we basically had to moved about half the stuff from our house to the Albers basement there. That was unexpected uh, last week or, or last weekend. Um, we also had a wedding that we were part of this Thursday and Friday. And so uh, my wife and I were part of a wedding. In some ways I felt like it was in line with um, what we talked about last week, our mission as a part of uh, being on a rescue mission to reach those who don't know Christ. My wife and I were, were a part of this wedding. It's a couple that's a part of the church here and, um, you know, I think new new believers and, and many of their friends and family were not believers. And so as a part of the, the wedding, you know, I tried to work the gospel in and to share with them. And, you know, it was... Uh, there was a lot of a lot of alcohol, a lot of uh, interesting people there. Um, the groom, you know, the groom was from Boulder. He is a graduate of CU Boulder, so you could tell it was a pretty dark wedding there to be a part of. So, uh, and his wife was a dear dear sister from CSU there. So, uh, um, but uh, anyways, it was a kind of wild and crazy. Just one little snapshot from the wedding. Um, I think we we brought our youngest with us, Garrison, four months old. I'm pretty sure he was the only child that dared enter the building there, you know, and it's just because we carried him in. Um, but at one point, they're doing the uh, toast uh, after the wedding. The, the bridesmaids are toasting, the groomsmen are toasting, and as a part of, you know, these groomsmen, several of them, again, were from um, from CU, you know, so who knows what to expect there. But, uh, but anyways, as a part of their toast, they're sharing these stories, and the culmination of the groomsmen's toast was that they all at the same time dropped their drawers in front of everybody 
and it was uh, camouflage boxers is what they were trying to sport or something. I don't know if they were advertising uh, for uh, you know a fruit of the loom or something. But it was a uh, it was a very interesting wedding, and that, we we left not too long after that. Um, but we tried to be a light, and it was exciting. We also had a, some of you might be aware we've hosted a, the the Great Commission. It's a, called GCLI. It's a leadership meeting that uh, was a front range leadership meeting that we hosted here uh, in our church building for the first time ever. One of the the hopes that we had when we were working on this building was that we could host uh, things that we couldn't host before just because our location bounced around or we had to pay extra money. And so we had a a hundred plus... Leaders from the Front Range churches in, in you know in our movement of churches here uh, on Friday night and Saturday, and so that was a great time. And then somewhere, uh, I think Saturday evening, Jeff and Brad said, uh, "You know you're supposed to do a teaching tomorrow, right?" And, and I was like, "What? No, I'm just joking. I'm uh, a little more ready than that." But it's been a crazy week, so um, I trust you guys will give me grace, and I, I trust you more. The Lord will give me grace here. But um, to start with, we are. Uh, if you have your card here, uh, everyone get one of these uh, cards. Uh, I hope you've got one. If not, again, we can make sure you get one. This this card is a little uh, tool that in some ways, um, I hope it's just that you can use it uh, to help you live out some of the truths that we've talked about here. Some of you may have seen this before. Um, I know uh, it's been passed out of other uh, names like um, God's Will for Your Life. And um, But we, you know, we are using this for um, our series, For His Glory. And again, you know, in some ways it, it contains a, a recap of where we've been so far. And you know, um, the first part at the top of your card here um, points up to God. You know, the most important thing in our lives is a loving relationship with God, loving God with our whole being. Then uh, Jesus said, well, the second thing is to love your neighbors as yourself. Last week we talked about loving our, our neighbors who don't yet know Christ and the rescue mission that we're supposed to be on and taking the good news about the love of Jesus Christ to every person who doesn't know about it. Today we're going to talk more about the other side of the, the cross here and, and loving those who are saved, those who are believers. We're going to look at some things related to that. But one of the things you can do as we go about this morning is um, on the side that says, uh, you know, has the verse, the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. There's a couple lines under that. And I encourage you um, this morning as you get a chance to write down the names of a couple people that God has placed in your world who do not yet know Christ. Who if the Lord was to return today, they would not be going with Him to eternity in heaven. And I encourage you to write down the name of someone whose God has placed in your world and who should be on your heart with the hope of uh, praying for them daily for their salvation and for your opportunity. So you can write that on this side. And the other side we'll talk about what to write as it relates to the saved here. But um, let's see. And you've got a handout as well. So you can just, you know, I encourage you maybe throw this in your Bible if you get a chance. Keep it around uh, so that you can look at it daily. Remind you to pray for those who don't know Christ yet and, and to pray for those those who do, and, and we'll talk about some of the specifics of what to pray for there. But um, let's see here. We're going to look at the verse. In some ways, we started off uh, things with here. See if that uh, gives a cue to the table here. I don't know if this is going anywhere or not. There we go. Uh, we're going to start with this, um, these truths. These are uh, three truths that I think every one of us needs to know when it comes to loving people when it comes to loving believers. And some of these might be basic and fundamental, but I think um, as I was um, thinking on them, meditating on them, I feel like there's some, some things that God 
brought out to my heart that I want to pass on to you as well. But the, um, the first one is this. Uh, got the ch- let's see, there we go. Um, you can write this down. We need to know the importance of loving people. You know, and that may be obvious, but um, I think there's something here that might not be as obvious. So look at this. We started off, the, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he responded, you know, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbors as yourself. All the law and the prophet, uh, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The two greatest commandments have to do with loving God and loving people. And if we're going to bring glory to God and we're going to carry out our God-given purpose, we're going to have to be uh, excelling at loving God and loving people. But I do have a question for you here. So uh, Jesus said, hey, this, this first one is the first and greatest commandments here. In some ways, it has to do with our, our relationship with God, um, our, our vertical, upward relationship with God is the most important thing anyone can have. And then we have relationships that are kind of more on the uh, horizontal plane here with, uh, with those who are human beings just like us, that are some that are lost and some that are saved. And um, But here's, here's a question for you. That's the first and greatest commandment, kind of the, the first verse there. The second one is Loving people. Now here's, here's what I want to ask you. If you had to summarize all of, of this, of these two commands, if you had to summarize them, which verse would you pick to summarize these two? Let you be perplexed on that one. No, I... Uh, I think, uh, you know, in some ways we go, well, obviously, the first and greatest commandment is love God. Well, if you're going to summarize these, condense these to, to do it right, you summarize it into love God, right? Um, well, you know, I think the Scriptures would give us a, a different thought on that. And it's something maybe to chew on. Paul says this, the Apostle Paul, who uh, arguably walked closer to Jesus Christ than, than any other person um, you know, besides uh, his initial 12 there. Um, but he says this, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love God with all your heart. Is that what it says? No, the entire law is summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. How can that be? If the other one is the first and the greatest commandment, how can the second one be the summary of it all? And I would make the case that loving people speaks God's love language. When you are loving people, you are loving God. And you can, in some ways, kill two birds with one stone. By loving people... You can love God. Some of you might have uh, read the book before. Uh, I think it's called Five Love Languages. Um, it talks about how there's just these, these five different ways that uh, the majority of people, there's love is spoken in five different ways. You know, and this is great if you're um, newly married or in the, you know, going to be in the having the whole class with uh, Brad and Sarah there. But you kind of want to learn well what speaks love to this person, and they have a list of them. One of them is uh, one of them is quality time, you know, spent with someone. Another one is uh, gifts given. Maybe it just really resonates when someone gives you a gift, uh, whether it's just a card or whether it's something you know more expensive. Uh, a, a gift given speaks love to you. Another one is uh, 
Uh, let's see, time spent with gifts given, uh, words, words of encouragement, words of affirmation. You really, maybe that resonates with you. When someone speaks encouragement into your world, there's no better way to speak love. Another one is, uh, let's see, time spent with gifts given, words of encouragement. What's that? Touch, physical touch. Some people, their love language is, you know, when the physical touch. Maybe it's holding hands with your spouse. Maybe it's a, a back rub. Maybe it's something like that, but uh, as a way to speak love. And, and the fifth one, does anyone, what's that? Acts of service. I'm glad you remember that because I could not for the life of me remember that one. Uh, acts of service. When, when you serve, you go out of your way and someone serves you. They thought about you. They, um, you know, put you in front of themselves as a way to speak love. But when it comes to God, what I get out of this, when you look at the two commands, the greatest and the second, and he says, let's summarize that into the second. What I get from that is God is, it speaks his love language when you love people. When you love your neighbors. Those that know Christ and those do not, that's a way to speak love. Now, some people, you know, you can get like philosophical, and I love God so much, and it's just so important. Well, you know, what, what it comes down to is how are you loving the people sitting around you? you know, uh, the scriptures say, hey, look, if, if you, you say you love God who's unseen, really the way to measure it is how are you loving the people that you do see, that you can actually express love in very physical and practical ways right now. That's, um, that's how you really measure your love here. And so... Um, it speaks God's love language. Now, another thing we need to look at here is, um, so there's two, two types of people in this world. Everyone falls into two camps. Those that are, are, are lost and those that are saved. Those who know Christ and those who do not. And here's another question for you to chew on. Which of those two groups of people is more important to God? The lost, who don't know Christ, or the saved, those who do know Christ? Any answers there? You got a 50-50 chance. Lost, saved, lost, saved, all in favor. No, um, you know, in some ways it's a trick question. Because when you look at the scripture, God wants us to love the lost and lay down our lives for the lost and sacrifice and serve them. And God wants us to love the believer. And God wants us to love every person. It says love your neighbors as yourself. And that, in, that includes every human being on this planet God thinks is worth your love. And you know, in the end, now eventually, when someone rejects the love of God for their entire life, they're going to have a different experience. There's no longer a chance to respond to God's love that was made available through Jesus Christ. And for eternity, they will be separated from from God's love, from everything that is good. and, And they'll finally get maybe what they've been looking for, but never realize how terrible it would be. But, um... But anyway, last week we made the case for how important it was to love and, and reach the lost and lay down our lives for this rescue mission. And it is very important. And uh, this week we look at how important it is to love the saved. And, and Jesus put it like this. Um, he said this, uh, A new command I give you. You, know, you think of the, the first and greatest command, love God. The, the second command, love your neighbors as yourself. And he said, hey, look, here's a new command. A new command you haven't heard of yet. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now in some ways, you know, you can go, well, isn't that the same thing as loving your neighbor as yourself? But how does loving your neighbor as yourself work, okay? Most of us love ourselves fairly good, right? How many of you, you know, starved yourself this morning or beat yourself up this morning? Anyone do that? Anyone forget to clothe yourself this morning? 
No, um, no, most of us love ourselves fairly well and love ourselves first. We usually feed ourselves before we feed our roommates or things like that, right? Um, different things there, but the point is love, love your neighbors as you love yourself. We, we do love ourselves unless we're some sort of, you know, masochist or something like that. And, and there's other ways that Jesus covers for, you know, love knows no harm and things. Um, but, but Jesus had a whole other level that he took this command. He said, love one another as I have loved you. We love ourselves pretty good, but Jesus loved us immensely and perfectly and sacrificially. And he said, that's how I want you to love. That's why it's a new command, because you've never seen it lived out like this before. And that's what I want you to do. And we need to know the importance. You know, um, sometimes people can think, hey, loving the lost is so important. You know, if that was the case, if that was a priority here over the saved, you know, Jesus would have very clearly changed this verse. He would have said, you know, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you have a love for the lost. They'll know if you really talk about the lost all the time, they'll know you're my disciples. But what does he say? He says, now here's how they're going to know that you follow me, by how you love this person sitting next to you. You know, I would translate a modern day paraphrase, maybe the the Firehouse Living Translation would be something like... um, they will know, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, by how you love your roommates. By how you love your roommates. Um, you know, that's, that's going to be the measure of how, uh, how you love God, how you love Christ. How do you love your roommates? Because if you, oh, I've got this great love for the lost, and I just hate these roommates. They're such sinners. They're such, um, you know... Uh, and Jeremy was very gracious with his wife. He said, she just has a couple faults. That's awesome. I wish my wife could say the same thing about me. You know, she's got a whole laundry list on me. But, um, but you're really identified as a disciple of Jesus. You know, raise your hand if you'd like to be called a disciple of Jesus. Okay, all of us, most all of us would. Maybe a few of us don't. Okay. I'd like to talk to you after the service, if you don't mind, right back there. I'm in my office. Um, but most of us want to be known as a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus said, this is how you do it. By the way, you love the schmuck sitting next to you. That's how you'll be identified as a disciple of Jesus. And sometimes we redefine it. You know, what, what, I, what drives me bonkers sometimes is people you know, that, that have a neglect. And I want to warn us all. We've got to watch out for this. Sometimes people can neglect loving the believer that's right next to them. So, you know, loving your roommates... That also includes married couples. Your roommates, you know who they are. Uh, you know, some of them are, are little ones and, and some about your size or, or smaller as well. But um, love your spouse. Love your kids. That's how you will be identified as a disciple of Jesus. Sometimes we define it outside. Of, oh, I, I love the lost so much and, and I, I do it even to the neglect of someone next to me because the lost are so important. God, these guys are going to heaven. Who really cares about them? They're squared away. But these guys, they really need me to sacrifice for them. And, um, and sometimes I see people do all these things to the roommates that are unloving, unchristlike, for the sake of reaching the lost. And, and you know what it often ends up in? It often ends up, that I've seen over the last 15 years of following Christ, sometimes people, it's like this mask of, oh, I'm, I'm so devoted to loving the lost, but really it's just a mask for living a worldly Christian, a worldly carnal Christian life. And in the end, people who are so focused on reaching the lost sometimes have never actually reached a lost person or baptized anyone or seen anyone's life turned around. It just, it's just an excuse to live a worldly life along with everybody else. But it's under the, the premise of I'm, I'm trying to reach the lost. 
You know, and we got to realize Jesus' definition of his being a disciple is how is it going with your roommates? Um, and if you don't have any roommates, I encourage you get some roommates. Get some roommates because uh, you know uh, when when you live in a house by yourself, uh, who do you think about the most, right? Who do, you, who do you make dinner for? Who do you make meals for? Who do you clean up after? Who do you think about, you know, getting to and from places? Yourself, yourself, yourself. And if you're going to follow Jesus, you just can't be that into yourself, you know. Um, something's going to have to give. And if you've got roommates, you can have roommates and you can still be into yourself. And we call that, what, conflict or something, right? Um, but, but anyways, this is an important thing, so important that Jesus said, this is how you'll be identified as my disciples. What's going on with your roommates? Um, let's see here. So we're going we're gonna to transition. Now, those are some things we need to know. God is... Uh, uh, let's see, review them real quick. The importance of loving people. It's so important that the, the law is summarized into loving your neighbor as yourself. Um, and then the last one we have here is that... Um, oh, where did my blanks go here? Um, oh, whatever that last one was. Yeah, there we go. I hope you filled in your blanks as you go. We need to know the importance of loving believers. You know, in some places there's a verse of uh, Galatians, uh, some of you might know this, Galatians 6.10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who don't know Christ yet. Again, that's not what it says. It says, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. If you're going to do good to anybody, the Scriptures say, do good especially to those who are also followers of Christ. You know, in some way I liken it to like a... You know, if you have this love for the lost and you're trying to win them to Christ and make them a part of your family, but what if in the end you actually don't like your family? You don't, you don't spend time with them, you don't want to be around them, so what's going to happen? Well, ultimately you're going to love a lost person and they're going to get saved and you're going to love them like you currently love your family. And if it's not much, well, that's what it's going to be for a lost person as well. And if there's not a... You know, I always... Think of uh, if this is a place, if your small group is a place, if your home is a place where people go, there's love there. There's, there's a serving going on there. There's care for one another there. Some people go, I want to be a part of a family like that. Maybe they've experienced brokenness or lack of love and they go, I want a part of that. Now, if you don't have that in your household, if you don't have that in your small group, if we don't have that in our church, someone's going to check it out and go, you know, there's nothing that I want there. I'll go try to find it somewhere else. But we want this church to be a destination where they look around and they see people loving one another, laying down their lives for one another, and then causing them to think, what, what drives these folks? What, what is their source? I've got to watch out for saying folks. My wife said, don't use the word folks. It's so old-fashioned. Um, i sorry, but um, I'll try to watch this. She's not here, but I know. You can, you can tell her. You can tell if she wants to. I stopped. Um, so anyways, we're going to look at the, the next three things here are, are really, well, how do, we, how do we go about loving our, our fellow believers here? Um, see, we've got the blanks here. Let's keep moving. Uh, these are our three loving commitments that will transform your life. Um, and let's start here. Uh, some of you have heard, uh, we could probably even fill in the blank here if you want to. Commit, and in parentheses, give your heart to your local church. Commit. 
one of the things, we, we can have all sorts of definitions of love and we can't go through them all here this morning. You want to know what love looks like, what you should be doing with your roommates? Obviously, 1 Corinthians 13. Are you being patient? Are you not being easily irritated? Are you, you know, look there, you'll find out some real convicting things. But we're, we're going to talk about this first point here is um, love is a commitment. Love is a commitment. G.K. Chesterton put it like this. I love this, uh, this quote here. Um, speaking on love and, and even marriage, he said, um, It is the nature of love to bind itself to another. It is the nature of love to bind itself to another. If you really love someone, uh, say of the opposite sex, and you, you really see their life and you take notice of it, what do you do? You try to bind yourself to them. If you know, if they don't run away from you, if they don't say no, you know, you try to propose, put a ring on, and that's a, designed to be a binding covenant for the rest of your life. It is the nature of love to bind itself to another. If you love your fellow believers, if you love your church family, what should you do? Bind yourself to them. Uh, there's a commitment that needs to occur there. Um, some of you might have heard this about the. Um, the difference between a commitment involved and, and involvement, being committed and being involved, right? Um, it's like the ham and egg breakfast. The chicken was involved and the pig was committed, right? <laughs> ham and egg breakfast. The chicken was involved. Hey, I'll give you an egg. I got an extra. Uh, and the pig, I'm committed here. This is a, this is a done deal, you know? Um, and so that's, you know, we sometimes, we can think we're committed, but sometimes we're just kind of involved in a way that's safe, in a way that's easy. You know, sometimes I think about the bumper sticker. Um, I hope you don't have this bumper sticker here. You're going to hate me. Um, but it's uh, practice random acts of kindness. Maybe you have that. Please don't. Um, you know, uh, and I would say practice random, random acts of kindness. You know, that's better than practicing no acts of kindness. I'll grant you that. Better to be random about it than never do it. But you know what would Jesus say? Practice consistent acts of kindness. Practice consistent acts of kindness. And sometimes I think when it comes to commitment, you know, um, we, we think like that bumper sticker. Let's practice random acts of commitment. Random acts of attendance. How about uh, you know, random acts of attendance, we think, hey, that's better than no attendance. It's good to randomly show up to something. Hey, I haven't seen you in forever. Uh, I was talking to a guy recently, my wife and I, and he's like, yeah, I've been to the church a few times, and man, I just never heard you teach yet. I want to get there when you teach. And my wife starts to pipe in. I had to kind of call her off. She's like, he teaches like 90% of the time. That just means you've never been there, you know. Uh, and I, I backed her down before she bit his head off. But... Uh, <laughs> But, you know, if you're going to be loving people, you can't just randomly show up. If your spouse randomly decided to come home at night, you know, would that be how committed of a relationship would that be? Not very. Um, so we, we just have to realize, you know, when, when you do a marriage vow, what is one of the things you say? You know, we just did that the other night, and the last line is, um, you know, um, what does it say? Till, till death do us part, where the Lord returns. We started adding in that recently. You might be together until you die, or if the Lord comes in first, you know, you, you kind of, uh, all, all marriages are called off at that point as well. But, um, so death do us part. You know, Jesus gave us a standard for, for loving commitment. He, he said it like this. This is how we know what love is. 
Jesus Christ laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. You can't lay down your life for someone if you're just randomly hanging out, can you? Random acts of kindness will be all that you could do. But that's not the standard that Jesus has called His disciples to. He's talking about consistent, day in and day out, acts of kindness and, and selfless love and sacrifice and serving. And you've got to commit before you can do that. You know, um, interesting thing is we, we, uh, we hold those values very dear as a movement of churches. As a matter of fact, um, as pastors in our church, each year we sign a covenant you know, there's a, the idea of loving someone uh, in a way that you, you make a covenant with them. That's what marriage is all about, but it, you don't have to be married to do that. David and Jonathan did that. And they, they had a covenant with one another to love one another before themselves. And as pastors of a church, we're a part of a church association that we have something that I think is extremely rare. Every year we make a covenant with one another as pastors across our association. And the covenant goes something like this. As a member church in the Great Commission churches, I commit to, number one, love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Number two, believe and follow God's word at all costs. Number three, love and honor my fellow believer in Christ as Jesus Christ has loved and honored me. Number four, uphold the following core values of the Great Commission churches. And there's... You can look up, we've got a booklet out on the table there on the core values there. Number five, strive to believe the best about any who make this covenant, to support them with a loyal tongue, to be quick to defend them. I will be slow to accept an accusation against them and will not accept such an accusation unless it is supported by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If an accusation is proved to be valid, I will seek to gently and lovingly confront and restore my wayward brother to a faithful walk with Christ. And number six, love all those who make this covenant and uh, to unite with them as fellow team members, believing in them, serving them sacrificially, holding them accountable to this covenant as we unite together to bring glory to our Lord and to accomplish His work on earth. As pastors, we have to ante up to this every year. Hey, are you in still? Are you up for this? We're not talking about involved. We're, we're not just involved in churches. We are committed. And every year we just say, I put my name on this document. And Jeff and Brad put their name on this document. And Tim puts his name on this document. And it is a covenant that we try to carry out as churches. And Do um, you have that kind of love for your fellow believers? I hope, I hope so. And if, if you don't, I hope you would aspire to that. Um, in my own life, you know, I know uh, I, I started coming around... Um, to church, we're going to wrap up these other ones quickly here. Um, I just remember um, I came to church in Fort Collins, and I came whenever, whenever I wasn't doing something else. Right? Uh, I'd show up at church, and I thought it was cool. And if I, you know, if there wasn't something else going on, like you know, if the weather wasn't bad, uh, you know, maybe. I would try to get there. Or if the weather, sometimes the weather is good. It's hard to get there. The weather is bad. It's hard to get there. Um, if the Broncos weren't playing early, you know, I'd get to church when I could. I had really good intentions about it. And eventually I had a, a friend that loved me and he just kind of was um, investing in my life. He'd meet with me over lunch and he was just saying, Hey, um, you know, here in this church we're looking for a few men and women that are faithful, available, and teachable who want to reach this world with Christ. Are you in? And I just sat, I was real honest when I said, you know, 
maybe unfaithful. I thought I was faithful. I probably wasn't. Um, I thought I was teachable. I, you know, questionable as well. But I knew I wasn't available. I had other commitments in my life. Uh, one of them was uh, I, I tried. I had a great job with Hewlett Packard. Had a good job as a, a software engineer. They paid me great money. But somewhere along the way, I was voted in my high school most likely to succeed. And so I thought, you know, a good, solid engineering job. That's great. But most likely to succeed has got to be greater, right? And so I, I started getting involved in some network marketing stuff. Some of you who are a little older might know, uh, might have heard of Amway before. I was like this Amway guy, you know. It's like, and I had this game plan. These guys were teaching me three to five years, and you too can be a millionaire. And you just gotta, you know, tell everybody you know about our soap. Um, but. Um, but I was busy, and I traveled a lot, and I'd go to this Amway rally over here, and this one over there, and whenever I was in town, I'd come to church. And, uh, you know, I was involved, and I definitely wasn't committed, but eventually you know, my friends said, you know what, I'm here for you. Whenever you feel like you're available, you know, I'm going to continue to invest more in your life. And finally at work, you know, my boss sat me down one day, and he said, man, sounds like a great business plan. I shared it probably with everyone I worked with at HP there. I could still kick myself for that. Um, but uh, my boss said, hey, it sounds like a great plan. And, you know, I bet you can make a lot of money that way. But you really get paid well right now here, you know, and so you kind of got to choose. And I felt like God brought that choice right before me. What am I going to be committed to? You know, my career, my uh, making three to whatever, making a million dollars in three to five years. Um, and I, I realized that God wanted me to put my church family at a higher priority and make a commitment. Because when you make a commitment to something and someone asks you, hey, what are you doing? You say, I, I got a previous commitment, don't, don't we? Um, but have you gotten to the place where your, your church family, your small group, maybe just your family, your household in general, is a commitment in your life? Because when you do, your life will begin to transform. And God might even use you to transform someone else's life along the way. And God did that in my life, um, for sure. And we're going to wrap up these blanks here fast. Yes, we don't have much time. Okay. Um, second one is this. You know, um, once you commit, you know, I'm committed to be there. I'm committed to... Uh, to be around so that I can serve, so that I can lay down my life. But until you're committed, you can't serve consistently. Commit to serving your brothers and sisters um, consistently. Right? You know, if you're just randomly showing up, you can't serve but randomly, right? Um, but I love this, uh, this quote. Maybe some of you have read it before. It's called On the Wall. It's a book that Rick, Rick Whitney wrote, one of the pastors in our movement. Also, uh, Grace's dad. Jeff's father-in-law, my wife's uncle, um, but we call him Uncle Rick around the house there. Um, but, uh, but anyways, in, in writing about a, com- being committed to one another, he says this, Commit your heart to your local church and then show it by serving your brothers and sisters. By serving your brothers and sisters until your knuckles are raw. Serve the people until your heart is broken. Then... Serve some more. And keep on serving because they are family. You know, when you are committed to someone, when you love someone and have that commitment, it manifests itself in serving them. And, and I love that heart. To serve until your knuckles get raw. And then take a time out, put some band-aids on and serve some more. And if someone breaks your heart, then it's a good excuse to leave, right? No. And then you serve some more. 
And that's the heart of a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's a loving commitment that will change your life. It will change others that you serve like that as well, but it will change your life when you make a commitment to serve like that. Not just when it's convenient, not just when you can be involved, but when you make a commitment to serve your brothers and sisters like that. Jesus there himself said, you know, he came to, not to, to be served, but to serve. We want to have that same heart. Last one here. Um, commit to living by God's Word. You know, and, and um, in some ways you go, well, how's that a loving commitment? You know, just a couple verses on that. Um, that uh, Jesus said this. Um, I don't know if I had the verse up there. No, um, Jesus said, uh, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. John fourteen twenty three. If you love me, you'll obey my teaching. If you love Jesus, you want to show it through your loving commitment, you need to obey His Word, His teaching. Um, This one here that we have on the the board says, uh, If you continue in my Word, if you keep my Word, if you live out my Word, then you are truly disciples of mine. He was speaking to believers. Hey, some people have come to believe in Jesus as the Lord and Savior. And He says to them, Hey, if you really want to be my disciples, you've got to live by my word. And there's a difference there. You know, at the firehouse, we're not out to make believers. I think Christianity has a lot of make believers out there, but we're, we're not out just to make believers. We want to make disciples. And disciples aren't just people that have got a free ticket punched to heaven. Disciples are people who are living by God's word, who let it affect their choices and their decisions and their life and their character. And when you make that loving commitment, it will transform your life. Um, a quick story on that to, to close here is um, I remember when I was first coming around the church again, and I had, uh, you know, I was I was lost, but I thought I had come to this place in my life. This is where I was spiritually. I go, okay, I've chased women. I'm trying to find the right one, and I came to the deduction that maybe instead of chasing those that aren't pursuing God and trying to be selfless and stuff, I should pursue Christian women. So I was like, cha-ching, you know, oh, great idea. Um, and so I started to show up to this church, and, and I looked around, and there was, hey, there's some single women here and there. And uh, it was to the point where I saw, hey, there's some cute ones on this small group. So I went to, like, the Wednesday night small group. And they didn't do all their small groups on the same night. They had different nights. So I went to the Wednesday night small group because there were some there. And I went to the Friday night small group. There's some cute ones over there. And, um, and eventually I started spending time with this girl that she had just become a Christian as well. I became a Christian somewhere in the middle there. And... Uh, but I started spending a lot of time with her. And I remember, you know, she was excited about her newfound faith. I was excited. Um, we started going, well, why don't we pray together? Why don't we... We used to go up to the, the hill that overlooks Fort Collins there, up where the... Oh, what is it? The A on the hill there. We'd watch the sun rise. We'd break bread together because we were just loving the Lord. We're like, we should go break bread. And, you know, I thought, well, we're praying. We might as well hold hands together, right? Let's pray and hold hands. You know, I I missed the memo on some things that I should and shouldn't be doing. But eventually I had a, a, a guy that loved me enough that came alongside and he said, um, wow, you know, I see you spend a lot of time with this girl and um, boy, you, you're thinking about marrying her at all. And I was like, marriage? What in the world are you talking about? Um, that was a word that had never entered my vocabulary before. Um, but he said, well, you know, you're spending all this time and you're really kind of catching her heart and you're leading her down this road. And you know, if you don't follow through on that, you know what you'll probably do? You'll probably break her heart. You'll probably crush her. 
And I was like, oh, I never thought about it like that before. And he shared some verses with me on, um, you know, uh, treating women with, with absolute purity. And, you know, respecting older women like a mother and, and younger women with absolute purity. And, and not playing favorites, you know, picking out who I, I liked. You know, he shared some verses with me. And I was like... Alright, I say I want to follow Christ, I want to live by His Word. This has come into my world here and it's really different than I've ever lived. And you know what, I don't want those results anymore. I don't want relationships that are messed up and leave someone with a broken heart, leave me with a broken heart, that are selfish. I want to try something new here. So I started trying to live by God's Word and you know what? I began to change and God gave me a different perspective on how to relate to women and how to protect their hearts and how to watch out for guys who were like me going to every small group that had cute women on it, you know, um, and how to gently give them the, the velvet hammer, you know. Um, but God transformed me in that. And uh, if you make a loving commitment to live by His Word, you, you'll be a different person. Otherwise, you might just be like the many nominal, somewhat involved Christians out in the rest of the world there. We're here at the firehouse. We're trying to make disciples. Disciples that are living a transformed life, that are helping to transform others, that will transform our neighborhood, our city, and by God's grace, reach the world. And then that's what we're about here at the firehouse. And so, you know, again, to summarize all this, we're about loving God supremely, and loving the lost, and being on a rescue mission, and, and loving the saved, and uh, being committed to them, serving them, and, and also living by God's word, which will transform us, will transform them. And so I hope that uh, these are some things you think about. This is what we're about. This is what we're trying to be about. This is what we're laying down our lives for here at the Firehouse Church. And we hope you would, would join us. That you join in, that you cast your lot here and say, you know, I'm not going to be a, a random act of attendance here. I want to I jump in. I want my knuckles to bleed as I serve and, and grow more like Christ. Let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for um, for your love for us. We thank you that you showed us a love that was willing to let go of all your blood. Not just bloody knuckles, but bloody palms and wrists and feet and a head. Lord, you bled. You let out all your blood blood because you loved us, God. And you said that's how you want us to love others. Lord, help us not to just love in, in speech, but love with our actions, love with our commitment, love with our service, love with our hearts even. Um, and, and love by, by living out your word instead of, instead of our thoughts and our opinions. God, I just pray you would make us a, a radical community of, of totally committed disciples that transform, um, that transform our neighborhood, transform Denver, that help us to be a part of reaching the world. And we just ask for your grace in all of this. We thank you for your words. I pray that they would instruct us, they would prompt us, they would change us, they would, if needed, haunt us. Uh, and until we do what you want us to do for your glory. Just pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us this morning here. I hope you have a great rest of the day.